This episode of the Red and White Podcast is brought to you by Roback, Roback.com, performance apparel company. They make polos, hoodies, Q-zips that are legit, just the best fit and the best feel. I know you've seen the little dog logo on people's shoulders. That's Roback. They gave you a 20% off coupon if you use the code REDWHITE. So go support the sponsors of the podcast. Go get yourself some sick apparel. And thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Apes that ain't fools. Run through the night. Playing with your life. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. It's August. It's football season. I'm your host, Evan, here with Will. How you doing, buddy? Oh, it's great. I'm I'm just I just I'm curious to see if there's an ACC after Wednesday. <laughs> Jumping right into it. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> what why Wednesday? Well, supposedly there's a board uh meeting for uh for Florida State. It's it seems like um the best part of conference silly season has been the emergency board of regents and whatnot meetings that keep popping up. Um I really wish NC State would just schedule one at this point just to uh you know just, flush it just, out. Can you imagine our numbers would be through the roof? Oh my god, it would be great. Would love it. Um yeah, I'm curious. I think there was supposed to be some, uh, I think Warchant was supposed to have some interview with maybe like one of their heads of regents or something. And so I'm curious if anything actually came out of that tonight. And then, um, yeah, I guess Florida State just um, really wants to lose in another conference and get paid more to do so. And that's how I yeah. feel about that. It's interesting. So Colorado left the Pac-12. and. Pac-12 still waiting on their TV deal, which is rumored to be Apple TV heavy, which I think is interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Selfishly, selfishly I would love Apple TV. I, I have Apple TV is all in my house, and I would love to have easy access to all of our games, like not have to worry about it. But I know that's probably not most people. And that money, I don't know how they're going to get close to it. They said it's going to be comparable comparable to the Big 12 deal, which is about $31 million per school. But we'll see where we'll see where that goes. But this is Clemson in Florida State and Washington in Oregon have all been rumored to leave. One of the questions we got from uh, from the folks was: Is there any truth to the Oregon, Washington, Clemson, FSU to the Big Ten? Apparently, Arizona is headed to the Big Twelve already. It's hard to believe anything you see or read this time of year because. It's crazy talk. I think there's a lot of people out there that are just trolling, just trying to get attention and clicks. Is there truth to it? I find it hard to believe. I know you, Will, are a little more mm, rigid in your fact that you think the grant of rights is impossible to break. I am not going to say it's impossible because I just I've seen so many weird lawsuits and rulings be overturned and nullified that at some point, and we were talking about this in the pod chat pretty much all day today, that will Florida state or someone, one other school complain that 
it puts them at a competitive disadvantage to be locked into this contract or into the yeah. ACC. And I think it only takes one judge to flip that, right? I mean, I'm sure there's going to well, be a lot of lawyers involved. It would probably be arbitration. So it's probably going to be like three or five judges is my guess. Yeah. Right. So okay. you really need multiple judges. That's why I feel like you have to be extremely convincing. There's no way that it's not going to be in front of a jury. It's going to, I'm sure that it's going to be curious to see where the court of law is. I need to go back and look at that document. And then, um, I would guarantee like most kind of business settlements, it would be in front in front of arbitration. If they didn't do that, they they're insane. Um, you really don't want this going in front of like a group of peers. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, my thing is, it's a pretty easy case to argue, I think, on the behalf, assuming that ESPN wants to argue it, but on behalf of ESPN and ACC would be, you signed this deal, what was it, in 2016? Is that what it, mm-hmm. I can't remember the last one we looked at. Yeah. So you signed this deal, it was good for 20 years, it's a contract, it's very clear what you're signing away and what the benefits are. So to argue your way out of it, I... I'm just doubtful. Like, I mean, I feel like the reason Texas and Oklahoma bought their way out of theirs was it was, I think, one year. And my guess is that both parties didn't want to spend a bunch of money in court to come to probably the same conclusion. And so they agreed to buy them out. I still think that was a bad idea on Big 12's part as well. I think they should have forced them to stay in. Um, but I think uh, it was a little different for them because they were also renegotiating a contract very soon. I see. Like I think a lot of the action you'll see on this contract would be closer towards the end phase of it. That's when it makes sense to tie things up in court and bog it down. Um, I just I, I don't think they'll wait that long. It's to twenty thirty six. I just don't. I you know there's there's a quote from the. FSU board of trustees chair today, they were having that war chant interview. I didn't watch the interview. This is just one quote pulled from it. And it says the grant of rights won't be the document that keeps us from acting. Uh, Okay. Then it must be something completely different that they'd be arguing. Right. Because if the grant of rights, which is the literally like ironclad document, as far as the networks are concerned, isn't keeping you from acting, then where are you going with this? I don't know where, I mean, I'd need more, more evidence because I think the contract is pretty clear and I don't think they'd have a very good leg to stand on and say, well, we signed up for that and we enjoyed the benefits of it. And now that other people are getting paid more, we don't, you know, we feel like we're being damaged by this, but it'll show that you signed up for it in good faith at the time. And that's a bad faith argument. So I, I just, I'm not sure how they would really argue their way out of it. It's like, it's so straightforward of a of a clause that they signed into um i don't know i'd be curious you know they must have dirt on somebody or something like that because i don't like what would i don't see what would behoove the acc right so if the acc let's say the acc goes per greg swaim and says okay we're going to give you a structured buyout one i don't know why they would do that but two if they did it well, what is that signal for the rest of the teams? Okay, well, you're allowed to leave as well. This doesn't matter anymore. And if the TV deal is based on the 14 teams currently, and that's at like 30 or $35 million, and then you subtract out FSU, well, now it's probably, I don't know, whatever you value them at, right? Maybe it's $30 million now. Maybe it's $25 million. Maybe it's $20 million. 
And it starts as each team would theoretically leave, the contract value would decrease. So everyone would just leave because there is no buyout at that point. The, the deal wouldn't work. So I thought it was more obvious that they would do, they would convince like an eighth or ninth team to basically say, hey, we need to dissolve the ACC as it stands, reform a 10 league team, add in two teams to make it not the ACC, and then, you know, renegotiate a deal. And then, at that point, it, you know, who knows how it falls out. Um, again, I think the FSU argues that they're this important, important brand, but they have not backed it up in many years. Um, so I don't know. They no one's really going to sign up for unequal. They're really, yeah, they're really confident that they are, they have found a way out, which I, to me, like, it, it's a little bit more than fans speculating and a little bit more than random you know, Twitter X people talking about it, right? It's a, there's a little more (laughs) Twitter X. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. There's a little more teeth to it than previous, right? They're they're clearly talking about, they're clearly planning on it. They're clearly trying, which I give them credit for. They should be. Yeah. But they've been trying for a long time. Yeah. And so what could they have found now? And like, I, I guess where I'm confused and I'll sit back in a, a moment here, but like if the magnific if the magnificent seven was a, a thing, right? And they were all looking for their way out, why would only FSU be acting? Like what what is I mean, if everyone looked at it and said, There's no way to do this, but we really want out, and then they pushed hard and then got the unequal revenue revenue distribution, right? Like, what was FSU doing that for if they were just gonna leave anyways? Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, that's where I, I don't know. I've watched too much Suits recently. I think that's like got me going. But like I started in, in my business, I came up through like contracts and negotiations and legal language. So I'm, that's why I just look at it. And I just go, I don't, I don't see the out. There's a reason they thought this thing was ironclad and it stopped everyone from leaving so far. So that's. I always think there's an out. That's, that's where I, I stand. Like, I just think there's some, all you have to do is find one weakness and exploit it. And I think. You're right. If it gets to arbitration, if it gets to a group of your peers, I think they, if they can get it there, I think they have a chance. I just don't even know what they'd be arguing. Like, yeah, it's got to be you can't compete with you when you're not getting when you're getting three a third of what you know SEC and Big Ten schools are. Right, they're probably going to compare themselves to Florida, right? And Florida's getting what's the contract eighty seven million or something like that. Yeah. So, so, but you haven't been damaged by that yet. Like where, where yeah. is that money going? Right. Like my thing, I think right. you and I have talked about it a bunch. I don't know why everyone's like, so wrapped up in this money. The money only goes to the schools and athletic departments into well, staff. The money's there for the taking, which is why everybody wants well, it. Right. But what my, my whole point is, is you can only spend so much. What are you going to do? You can only hire so many people. And in the end you're fighting for 12 to 14 wins and yeah. I guarantee you FSU has been spending a lot more money than others. And you can look at the win loss column and see that spending more money does not necessarily equate to success or whatever. So I think it's really hard for them in the current environment to argue that they are damaged by this contract. And I also think someone would say is until you see it actually in fruition with us paying players or however this ends up, right. That, the 35 million or 40 million or whatever ACC would get by the time this is settled is putting you at a disadvantage. I still think that there's, 
I don't think they're going to pay the players the amount that we think they're going to play that pay them. And I think it's going to be, it's not going to be the world that everyone thinks it's going to be. Maybe they can sway staffs like coaches and things like that. But I mean, every year people get fired in this job that we thought we were going to be good job, get the job four years ago. So I don't know. Like if I was smart, I'd just be hoarding the money and being like, no, I'll just pay you guys kind of like the average. You're probably going to be average anyways. And who cares what the school does with the other 40 million? Like it's not going to get you wins. I think people need to realize that if everyone else is bidding for the exact same market of players, for the exact same amount of money, it's, everything's just going to even out. I, I, I don't disagree with you. Right. I, I think it's, you know, James and I were talking about this on the last pod where he just, he kept saying, well, you know, in, you need more money to, or invest in, whatever by players is essentially the same, but that's not TV money, right? That's the difference that, that I was trying to get to them is like, you can't just say that's putting the burden back on the fans, which I, you know, you and I've talked to ad nauseum. Yeah, that is yes. not the way to do this, right? When there's this, this much money out there and at some point the fans are going to turn on, on you and say, this is ridiculous. You're making, 40 to 90 million a year and you're still asking us for money to pay players. Oh yeah. I think that's, there's so much insanity in there and it can't, that, that mentality can't maintain. So I, I don't know, you know, it's again, I don't know where all the money's going, who needs the money. It's, it's very, I think it's still very tenuous though. I think there is still a lot of um, things in the air Right. I don't believe that it is. I think it's pretty solid, but I'm always skeptical or hesitant to say it's impossible that they leave. Like, I don't think they will. I think Oregon and Washington are probably going to leave the Pac-12. I think Pac-12 is falling apart well, right in yeah. front of their eyes. Yeah. And what this all comes back to, again, is the lack of leadership at the NCAA level, at the president's level, and at the athletic department's level. Because had they pushed a bigger playoff years ago, like everybody was trying to do, then the conference, there would be no benefit for these schools leaving the conferences. Like State in Florida State and Clemson, 23 or 24 and 25, Right, they need. They should stay in this conference because it's yeah. a. There's a guaranteed playoff berth. Through 26, we don't know what's going to happen, and I, frankly, I don't trust our administration, not just ours, but the ACC's administration, to be strong enough to secure a spot in the future playoff. To say the ACC has to have a spot, I just don't. I don't know if they're good enough at their jobs to do that given what we've seen so far, right? They had the person, the, the handshake, the alliance between the PAC 12, I mean the PAC 12, the big 10 and the ACC that was broken within 24 hours. Big 10 just said, F you, I'm going to get two of your biggest brands. Yeah. So I don't, and for the ACC to have a handshake agreement and think, yeah, this is cool. I, yeah, it makes me really skeptical that the leadership is going to pull us through the future of the ever-changing landscape. And then out there on top of it, Jim Phillips getting 
drug through the mud with all the Northwestern stuff right now. Oh yeah. Well, he's got a lot on his plate. Is he, is he best positioned? Is he in the right mental state to, you know, lead the ACC? If I'm a stakeholder there, I, I like I'm raising my eyebrows like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it comes back to the presidents to me who continue to vote for Mark Emmerich, who continue to push off the larger expanded playoff for the 14 playoff and the, the, you know, from the BCS to whatever we have now. Like, I just think there's so much culpability in the past that I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't trust anybody on our side to be a good enough leader. Prove me wrong. Right. That, that's all I'm going to say is prove me wrong that you're, you can do your job. Because yeah. right now, I think there's a state of flux that needs leadership, and I think that we're very much lacking the leadership. Well, yeah, you got to remember that um, the leadership in all those posi- positions you described are just there to, in Mark Emmert's case previously, was to just be a punching bag and cash checks and keep the NCAA going so that it keeps cashing checks. Like when you, if you look back yes. at it with the true get gaze at it, or the cynics approach, whatever, you know, everyone's there to line their pockets. And so yeah. that's why I say when people say, well, we're, we're going to have to pay the players and that's just going to ruin everything. Oh no, 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 no. Guarantee you. Everyone's going to say it's not going to be fair without a salary cap. And frankly, we shouldn't be paying freshmen more than we should be paying sophomores and juniors. It's going to get capped. It's going to get structured. These guys are not going to make nearly as much. They're going to say, okay, we're going to pay you. 25 grand when you get here, 35, 45, 50, something like that. And then, you know, you can get whatever you want NIL wise. But once people are shelling out money to for them, like people are going to, it's going to be amazing how easy recruiting is once it's, well, hey, do you want $50,000 from, it's the same thing everywhere. So do you want to go to the place that's family and you're getting $50,000 and that can develop you? Or are you going to go to $50,000 and it's blingy? Like it's, I think things are going to be a lot better in the future in that regard. But, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, like this whole thing could have been resolved very quickly. At the time, you could have said, well, let's go to a 12-team playoff and each of the Power Five conferences gets two uh, auto bids in, assuming that you, you know, you could say like, assuming you got over 10 wins, whatever. And then the remaining group of whatever has access to the other two. And it's just the best of. Worst case scenario, you would have ended up maybe with a, a year with three Big Ten teams or three uh, SEC teams in that scenario. Like, I don't understand why we we had to kind of dick around with this smaller format. It's clearly going to expand. Well, now that the Pac-12 is like going to be meaningless, you know, I'm guessing. I don't know. You wish like the ACC would just reach out and absorb Washington and Oregon and move on. Um, maybe get Stanford just, to try to get Notre Dame, but take the whole Pac-12. I mean, I've been well. You don't need the whole Pac-12 though. You don't need Washington State. You don't need Arizona State. You, you like, don't, but if you do, then you can renegotiate your TV deal, right? That's the well, clause that's the in the TV I contract. Think, I think if you got Oregon, if you got Washington, if you got Utah, and you took Stanford, right? And you say, all right, ACC, we're going to become like an all-coast team. We're across the nation, right? We have 18 teams plus Notre Dame once in a while. And I think you could renegotiate your deal at that point. And yeah, you can maybe. say, hey, FSU, don't worry. We're going to renegotiate this. I mean, the other thing they could do is they could be like, hey, we're going to instead, let's, why don't we just buy out BC and Syracuse 
or Wake Forest who are cashing checks and just you know just paying you know getting all this money that they're not bringing in, cut them out and say, hey, here's the deal, guys. We're actually going to pay um, six hundred million dollars to these guys to fucking go away, and then you guys are going to stick around forever. It's going to be great, and then we're going to add in Oregon, we're add in Washington. So you take two two nothing burgers, add in probably the only two teams that are even propping up the Pac-10 deal at this point. And Oregon, then Washington, Utah, and I mean, the Arizona schools. Maybe. I mean, maybe you grab Stanford if that is an attraction to Notre Dame. I don't know. Because I think they have like a regular game. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe you keep. So, I mean, what I would do is I would get rid of Wake Forest and I would probably get rid of Syracuse. Keep keep BC because they have a history with Notre Dame. Get Stanford. They have a history with Notre Dame. And just go from there. And if Notre Dame doesn't want in, you just say, hey, you know what, Notre Dame? This ain't working for us. See you, man. Have fun. Like, we're done. You know, Anything go- to get Wake Forest on the shopping block? <laughs> I am for. Let's like, go. The funny thing is, Wake Give Forest would be like, that's not fair to us. But you know what? Like, Wake Forest would either end up in the Big 12 or they'd get absorbed into the SEC, more likely, as, yeah, as Vanderbilt of North Carolina. Because that's the thing. Is The funny thing is, is, like, if I was the SEC, I'd be like, can I have Duke and can I have uh, or Wake Forest? Out of North Carolina, you're no threat to me in any sport other than maybe baseball in Wake's case now. And you give me the North Carolina market and goodbye. You're the new Vanderbilt. We just brought in an auto win for everyone. Like, that's what I could see them do. Why would they bring Maybe. in FSU? I don't even get it. From, what's the appeal to the SEC? I, it's I, I don't understand, yeah. I, the Big Ten, what's the appeal there? Okay, well, we're going to get a Southern school that, okay, like, you're just bringing in a team that maybe is going to hurt Ohio State and Michigan, like your national recruiters. Like Wisconsin's already pulling people from Florida. Penn State's already pulling people from Florida. So like, what's your value? And plus your contract is so large, the amount of value that Florida State has to bring, it's going to net like pennies on the dollar compared to what they've done so far. Like, I feel like no one's talking about this. Like if ESPN is having problems, how are NBC sports and Fox and all these other ones really going to stick around and be paying out these big contracts? Well, that's, that's the other part that I think is not being talked about enough is the networks. Bob Iger's already the CEO of Disney has already threatened, not threatened, discussed selling off Disney. If they say, if ESPN or not selling off Disney, selling Selling off ESPN. Yeah. If they spin it off, what does that do to all of this? Got to do something. Oh God! What did you say the know. other day? What if the Saudis buy ESPN? Right. So that's the other thing. Like, what? What if the Saudis get involved? What if they buy ESPN? Or what if they buy the ACC? Right. I mean, what if there's some? They have the money. <laughs> they could do it. Like you wouldn't expect it with the PGA. They just bought the PGA. They could buy the pack right now. They, they could. They could buy the ACC. They could buy. I wouldn't. Put I mean, it if they're going to invest in anyone, it's going to be the Big Twelve, right? They want to try to influence that natural oil money down there. The and, oil uh, money down there. <laughs> Diversification away from the oil. That's, That's true. They want coast. some of that fracking that we got. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that to me that would be wild if Florida State comes out like, all right, we're out. Here's three hundred mil from our Saudi investors. Like that would be crazy. I, I mean, be surprised if anything, like none of this stuff would surprise me. Well, first off, if that happens, like what a boon. Thank you. Um, we'll just replace them with like FAU or something so we can have that Florida market. 
And uh, <laughs> do people? I guess, no, we have Miami. It, we have Miami. We don't even need that. Does it even work on the markets? Like it was so much cable subscription generating. It has to that, factor in somewhat because honestly, that was the move for the Big Ten was adding possibility of getting the Big Ten network into like the California space. Supposedly, I think there is a value to new markets. I don't think it's as nearly as much as everyone was told it was going to be. It's why I'm also just extremely skeptical of seeing these charts with these payouts that are just ballooning up and I'm going, well, why? Like, why are you paying more for this? What are the assumptions that go into these numbers? Is there a possibility that the SEC payment and Big Ten payment actually just like caps out at like 70 and stops where it is? I mean, I guess. I don't know. It's I I don't know. I don't have the I don't have the ins and outs of that stuff. But it's I often I mean I'm often just like confused because I just find Big Ten football to be the most boring in the world and I don't understand its valuation whatsoever especially considering a lot of those markets are um, decreasing in population. But I don't know. I think someone said like they have nothing to do but watch it. So I guess that, that could be it. Um, maybe maybe down in the South in the ACC country, I have maybe we have too many hobbies. Maybe there's too many too many of me's out there, and that's what's running the TV dollars. You're an absolute psycho. We talked about this day in the pod chat. I don't know how you or anybody else does this. And I've said this to you before, absolute psycho. The fact that you can turn off paying attention to scores or social media or anything on Saturday when the game's playing and then go back and watch it later, psychopath behavior. It's, yeah. it's, un, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, it's it's I, simple. I, I will If it's a game where I know my heartburn's going to get up, I'll wait and see how the I'll, – I'll just avoid it. I'll check in at halftime to see what the score is and then make a, make a decision at that point. Do I want to tune in and experience this or not? And then, uh, you know, if I'm watching a movie or something like that or got chores, I'll just go do that. I'd rather do that, know the outcome. My, I get too angry. I get too worked up watching NC State because we never had a good offense before. But now that we have Robert and I, I may have to change my you going to watch it tactics. live now? Oh, I mean, I'd it, ra- you know how hard it was to watch that BC game live? I almost, I it was tough. Visual. It was Visual. tough for everyone in this house. I equate it to a roller coaster where you're like, I want to do it, and I don't really want to do it. I want to do it, and you get on it. You're like, Why am I doing this? And you go like down the hill. You're like, Yeah! You're like death spiral at first, and then everything's good. And but you do it because it's the whole thrill of the whole rise, the emotional up and downs. That I mean, that's why I do it. I, it's it's entertainment for me. No, for me, the roller coaster just always goes up that big thing to start and then it just keeps going and it keeps going. I go, so how, how long, much longer could this go? And then it keeps going and going. I'm like, is this really how it's going to go? Is this it? And then it breaks and stops at the top. That's it's, how I experience NC State sports until I Carol- know the outcome. That's, that's my Carolina roller coaster gift, right? Straight <laughs> up and then the track's oh, dead and they go straight down. Yeah. It's so tough for me to watch. I mean, I, the, the benefit for me is I just, aside from NC State, like, I just don't care. Like, I don't really watch anything anymore. I think after I kind of cut cable, it's so hard, like, not having, like, the um, uh, the NFL ticket and stuff like that, right? So it's hard for me to even catch NFL games now, except for the local broadcast. So I think that just kind of helped me detach from it. And then just realizing how angry I get watching us, you know, like, grind yeah. it out. I don't think I even watched the Louisville game until the day later. Like psychopath behavior. I'm just telling you. You just check in and you see that Ben Finley and um, uh, Jack Moore or whoever at the time, you know, are, are combining for zero and zilch. And you're like, oh, why am I going to watch this? 
Yeah. Not this year, though. It's going to be different. All right, moving on. I want to play uh, this clip. Uh, it's a couple minutes long. Cover 3 podcast today came out today, and they were talking about ACC over-unders. So, spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear this and you want to hear it live on their podcast for whatever reason, skip the next uh, three minutes. The audio sounds the same on here. That's true. Or does it? Or can I click a button? They change uh, it in place here. Speaking of that Friday night in Carter Finley Stadium, it's one of the big games when you're trying to decide which way you're going to go with NC State. Start the year at UConn on the Thursday of week one. And then the home opener is against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Woo-wee! VMI after that, so things get a little bit lighter. Then at Virginia on a Friday night, followed by Louisville at home on a Friday night. Then Marshall, then at Duke. They are off on October 21st, then back in action on October 28th with Clemson at home, Miami at home after that, then at Wake Forest, at Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. Uh, this is, of course, the you know the reuniting of Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I as they try to inject a little bit of creativity into an offense that Dave Dorn himself said he was looking to evolve. Uh, the defense has been rock solid, and while they lost a lot of big names, I still think that they're great there because the injury issues have meant all the guys that are taking over the starting spots have had to play a ton of snaps over the last couple of years. But the schedule is tough and does have some pitfalls, and we do have a lot of questions at the skill position. So uh, I guess, but I'll go to you first. Which way on NC State? I'm going over. F- favorites conference. Uh, I just so. I, I think they are just physically better than a lot of the bottom half of this league. It would be very hard for them to be worse at quarterback than they were last year. I mean, after Leary went down, uh, it was – they, they played Ben Finley. They played this Tom Chambers, Chambers kid. Tom Chambers, yeah. attorney at law. Dude, seriously. <laughs> and then, like, MJ Morris actually Jack played – Chambers, excuse me. Yeah. Played pretty well for him, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, I think the Rosner kid from Rice is a fairly big get. One of my biggest question marks when I go through and do my notes on these these squads was receiver. Uh, for NC State, I thought the receivers. Now, granted, the weather was not good, but like the receivers in the spring game, I was like this is man, this ain't great. Uh, and the fact that they were able to get him as a grad transfer, like a 23, 24 year old dude who's been a very good player. And granted, it's big? in the CUSA. Yeah, he's a big guy. Like mm-hmm. you basically got a okay. Last year playing college ball, very old, big dude who who's dependable. I think they're probably really good at corner. Yes. Safety is kind of a question. And then in schedule wise, like I'm not really scared of UConn. They're going to beat VMI. I don't care where they play Virginia. They're going to beat them, right? You get Marshall at home. You get, I mean, look, Tuvatech to Wake and, and to Duke are probably where this thing gets figured out. Like they need to go two and one in that stretch. I believe they can do so. And uh, I, I think they, I like their strength program. They develop guys. I feel like they're always somewhat good to really good on the lines of scrimmage. I'm going over. So I had them at, I had six wins, two losses. Like those are the games I felt pretty confident. So I had four kind of toss up games that I need to get two and two out of those. And the difference for me was Brennan Armstrong. I'm going over. Uh, I think the offense, I'm excited to see what it looks like. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but Brennan Armstrong, he was by far, I thought, the most mature, confident, 
quarterback at a- in Charlotte at ACC Media Days. Like, you know, and Jordan Travis is mature and he presents himself. Drake May's, you know, impressive. He but talks Brandon like Armstrong- a football coach. Well, yeah, guys, uh, Drake yeah. May talks like a football coach right yeah. now. He There's talks like he's already 41 years old. Since yes. the yeah, I can tell you what, we can go recruiting real well out there. Yeah. I mean, there's something about him. It's just like it's different than all the other guys. Just at like, a, a like, it's funny because I told him, I was like, hey, I said, you know, my nephew's at NC State now. He's playing hoops. I was like, and he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, when do they start the season? He's like, and I, I, he basically, it was a business decision. You could tell because he's like, he's not going to be there in, in past bowl season to be watching any NCAA basketball games. He's already like doing the math. Like, I'm not even going to be here that long. I think he's there on a mission. I think Dave Dorn and Robert and I, I think they trust him. And I'm going to trust him in those games that could be tight one possession games. I think he's a gamer too. I was impressed with him. So I'm going to go over. His total is disrespectful. <laughs> Dave Doran has been at NC State 10 seasons. You know how many times he's finished any of them with fewer than seven wins? It's been like Twice. six years, right? Twice. And one of them was his very first season there. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could talk about the schedule is tough, and it is in a vacuum when you look at the teams they're playing. But every single tough game is going to be played in Raleigh. Notre Dame's at home. Louisville's at home. Clemson's at home. Miami's at home. North Carolina's at home. The toughest road game is Wake Forest. This team's winning at least eight games. My numbers have them more likely to win nine than seven. So, yes, give me the over. I got five certified wins. I got two losses on the board. I got five toss-up games. Uh, The way that I've got those toss-up games are Louisville at Duke, Miami at Wake Forest, and UNC. Dave Doran's got UNC's number. You write the big games at home. I'm also on the over for the Wolfpack. I think that their secondary – you mentioned – I think their secondary is fantastic. Aiden Hill and the corners are going to be really good. And if Peyton Wilson can stay healthy, we finally saw him get more comfortable after all the surgeries later in the year. Defensive line is going to be nasty. Um, it, you can take a last year's approach where NC State's winning a boatload of ball games thanks to the defense, and then just imagine even a slight step forward in terms of offensive creativity. It's going to get them to where they need to go. So I'm also on the hack podcast. Let's go, Pack Podcast. (laughs) Pack Podcast. I'm in. I'm in. Sounds like a great concept. Are there more than 18 of them already? (laughs) Oh, man. What do you think? Well, I think Drake May had no point in being in that conversation. So way to go, Chip. Always working him in. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I wish I had I wish I had put money down on the over when it came out. Um, I I still think it's insane when you look at the schedule. Um, I don't know. I just uh, it's just weird. I just feel like people are overlooking the Brennan Armstrong and I connection and just how and I like breathe like an ounce of life into the um, the Syracuse team last year and made them look competent and. I think we have far more weapons than that. So it's just just a really weird take. Um, I'm guessing Vegas was nervous about defensive turnover. And I think it's more of a name thing. Yeah, it just seems weird. I mean, you just saw the voting come out. We're fourth preseason. So the voters at least aren't sleeping on it too much. Um, I don't know. It's just I, I get the hesitation, right? That we don't know which Brennan Armstrong we're gonna get. Yeah, that's the that's the concern. It's valid. I less so 
feel that it's valid that everybody everybody says Jason Beck, the QB coach, is what made Robert and I special. Like yeah. I just kind of disagree with that. He was and I was tearing things up at BYU with Taysom Hill as his quarterback. Right? I mean, there was I think um, Beck was his quarterback there. Like at one point, that too. Like I, I, I don't necessarily buy into that theory that Jason Beck is the all-knowing reason why Virginia offense was prolific in um, twenty-one. I don't think so. Yeah, I, but I, I do understand the concern of which Brendan Armstrong are you going to get. I think State this NC State team has a ton more talent than the Virginia team that Brendan Armstrong was asked to do everything with. So yeah, I think um, I think what Vegas probably saw was if you look at last year, right? You saw us with really close wins and losses against ECU. BC, Florida State, UNC. Um, I think Louisville was actually a worse loss than I recall. And then there was another one. I can't remember what it was. Um, and so they're probably looking at that. No Leary, concern about wide receiver. And then, yeah, you look at Brandon Armstrong last year. You just ignore the fact that he's reconnecting with his old OC. Like, I can see how you get to that. But it's just when you look at it and you're like, okay, well, all the hard games are at home. The only tough road game is Wake Forest. So, and in maybe Virginia Tech, depending on what state of rebuild Virginia Tech is at this point. But I just feel like they looked at it and they were like, well, they, they stunk last year, but somehow won eight wins. What's changed? And I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like we're going to play Clemson twice this year. Oh, right. I like that. That's right. That's right. You heard like it here that. first, folks. Um, yeah, I, I I think Bud Elliott's take about the wide receivers is probably my biggest yeah. question mark as well. I think the Rosner addition was really good to bring some stability to that group, assuming he can get through his season healthy because there is a lot of unknowns. Now, I know state fans all think there's a lot of talent in the wide receiver room, which I think there's there's some, but you got to prove it to at some point. So what I would say to that is I was listening to IPS had a podcast with um, Philip Danford and some others. And Philip was talking about how Tim Beck distributed the ball or at least how the passes went down. And so the inside, you know, hash to hash is like two thirds of the field really. And then outside the hashes is like a third. I'm just going to break down, make it easy. And we had our pass distribution was 50, 50. So that means 50% of the balls that we were throwing we're in the tightest hash of the field, the tightest space of the field where the boundary limits you and it's the easiest to defend as a defender. And so like, if you think about it, it's like we weren't making it easy on any of these wide receivers. And then for certain wide receivers that we would put in the game, like an Anthony Smith, they were given very specific routes that were the hardest ones to catch in those scenarios. And so to me, you then look at how Anai distributes the ball and moves people around and tries to find easy easy yardage, and you pair them with. I think Brennan Armstrong is probably throws an easier to catch ball than Devin Leary does, like cannon to cannon ways. I just think it's going to be easier on them, and the threat to having a running quarterback, I think too, just does things to the defense. I think it's just going to be easier on the wide receivers in general. And I think like Doran was even saying that like the guys on offense are like really excited um, about the new, the new system. And 
I don't know. It just wouldn't surprise me if we find out we have a lot more wide receivers on this roster than than we thought. I, I feel like we made things really difficult and we put a lot of pressure on these guys. And this is a more, it's just a, a friendly system. Like, I mean, you see it in all other kind of variations of the air raid. These guys that don't go on to the NFL that, you know, still put up massive numbers. It's, it's, it's super plausible that, that we've got the talent already there. And then bringing in that transfer helps. And I just think, I don't know. I, I just feel like we're missing something. Like at some point, guys can actually get better if they're given an opportunity. If we're going to throw the ball a bunch and it's going to be a lot of catchable balls, I think we're going to be better better at wide receiver than you would think from the Beck era. The the missing piece was Chris Scott Jr. who is now a wide receiver again. I'm just I was I'm just doing some air guitar. Um boy, I was jacked. You know, I saw this and I know I know he's taking it seriously because he was 171 pounds when he was a DB and now he's 160 pounds. So my guy is tightened up. He's ready to get out there again. You know, I can't wait to see the couple Instagram posts where he catches it and then drops it. But I, I'm very excited to see what he does. Who has more yards, Ant Smith or Chris Gunter? Ant Smith, there's no doubt. I mean, Ant Smith, I think, should be a starter. I feel like, <laughs> like I would just put Ant Smith out there for 50, 50 snaps a game. I do not care. I would just say, run them. Have fun, buddy. The ball's coming your way. You've got three routes you're running. Like the thing about Anthony Smith is I've seen him catch insane balls and then I've seen him <laughs> drop insanely easy balls. Right. One of those was in a rainstorm. So I'm going to give him a break, but like he's got it in him. So I'd rather you target him six or eight times. I don't care. The two times he catches it are going to be 40 yards each. What, why are we, why are we avoiding this guy? He's got the skills. I would love to just see him out there. You put Keon Lassane out there to catch the ball in the slot. Rosner or Rosner, whatever his name is, could be on there on the outside and then put whoever else. I don't care at that point. Just give me Ant Smith. Did you get some Dave Dorn quotes regarding the offense from uh, Media Day? Oh, man. Did I have them? I was, I was well, only putting got them one in. here. Two years ago under Coach Beck, we had a great offense this past year with all the quarterback injuries. I'm not sure it would have mattered what system we ran. We ran into some pretty challenging stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's nice air cover, but I saw what we looked like with Devin Leary, and it looked like it was going to be a struggle for a bunch of games. Would he have hung some yards on a couple teams at the end of the season? For sure. I think we probably would have won nine games anyways, maybe 10, because that defense was just so good. But why Why do I have to act like I couldn't use my eyeballs and see that you, know, you, you got up early on ECU and then things kind of fell apart? And then Texas Tech? Things kind of fell apart. It wasn't the blowout that everyone says it was. You know, I, we were there for Clemson. It looked pretty damn awful. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's just, I, I get what he's trying to say there, but I have a feeling that Beck was leaving no matter what. And, um, yeah, I agree. He's not going to poop on Beck yeah. now at this point. He's not going to, you back know what? He, he had, he had two good years there. He had a really bad year. It was time to go. It's fine. It'd be really interesting if he, if Chadwell had moved on the year prior and Beck had gone there, then I'm curious mm-hmm. if we would have had an eye last year. Would Devin Leary so. still be here? Uh, that's a good question. No, I think he probably would have thrown for 3,500 yards and been in the NFL. 
I think you're off by like a fraction, of, like a factor of two. I feel like he would have <laughs> thrown for like 7,000 yards. It would have been whatever uh, Zappy or whoever it was. It would have been one of those seasons. Um, no, I don't this know is, about that. This is my favorite quote from Dave. I don't think it's unrealistic for us to have a top-ranked defense and a top-ranked offense. Now he says that. Before it was <laughs> NC State well, abomination offense. Then. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess it was. I don't know. I just like, I mean, he's been saying it for the last few years. When you have more explosive plays, you have more touchdowns. And there was nothing in the previous system that was designed to get explosive plays in a consistent basis. Yeah. I just feel like he probably saw it like last year had to kill him, right? That Syracuse game had to kill him. The BC game, the Virginia Tech game, right? Where they were just throwing jump balls down one side of the field, right? And he was probably sitting there going like, this shit actually works? Well, why don't I go get someone that does that more often? And here we are. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, that's why I'm going to have to watch these damn games. I'm going to have to wear a heart <laughs> monitor. Um, it's going to be terrible. Uh, my favorite part is watching the games live is when everybody starts posting their Apple watch heartbeats in their beats per minute. And gets, and people are up in the, the hundreds and 120s. You're sitting on the couch getting exercise. <laughs> Heart's just racing. I'm just thinking back to that UNC game last year. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just all the screaming that was coming out of the basement for me as as that was going down. Um, Do you want me to read this quote you put in the Which chat one? Here? The one about Peyton? Explosive plays, no. Oh, yeah, you can read that one. When you have more explosive plays, you have more touchdowns. Okay, thanks. Having the speed we have now on offense. Having the speed we now have on offense. Sorry. Julian Gray is pretty fast. He can make a guy miss, and now he's off to the races. We need some more of those types of plays in our offense. Keon and Trent Penix are dynamic players. Casey Concepcion and Vereen showed they can contribute early. I always wonder if if Beck's offense looks more dynamic with better athletes. Have you if you land, yeah, a five star wide receiver? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think it's still the limitations and the still same predictable nonsense that we were running, but. I think having a running quarterback would have helped him a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess what I like to see there, right, is, I mean, you can read negative or positive into it, right? But, I mean, Casey and Vereen are freshmen, and he's talking that those guys are going to contribute. He's mentioning Julian Gray, who's the guy that everyone thinks should have been getting the ball more often and getting it in easier to navigate spaces. So yeah. it's probably a good sign, right? And then Trent Penix, it's like, oh, if Trent Penix can stay healthy this year, like it's, you know, he's like all conference. What I don't want to hear is the nonsense of Trent Penix is the key to our offense. And if he goes down, cause he goes down every year, then we don't have any offense. If, if I hear that one time this year, I might throw my microphone. <laughs> like it, it, I'm going to throw something. This feels like the one nonsense. year where that, there seems like there's really good backups all over. So quarterback. Okay, well, what if you have a quarterback injury? Well, you got MJ Morris. And we saw what a healthy MJ Morris can do. And I think he's going to do really great in this system. So you've got... So that's the reason why that six and a half to me is kind of crazy, right? Because you already have a floor riser in him. Razor in him. Then you've got Vereen and Penix. I think they're kind of two of the same type players. I think Vereen will kind of slot into that type of role. Um 
I mean, you know, probably the one guy that you don't have a lot of is like a Rosner. Maybe they think a Collins could be that type of player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's players all over. And then like, I don't want to say that Keon Lassane is replaceable because he's, he does a great job actually catching the ball. Um, But you've got like three other slots behind him with Casey and others. So, and Porter Brooks, et cetera. So like, I don't know, man. This is, I feel much better about the skill positions than maybe like a few weeks ago. Now that I've kind of digested it a bit. And then I thought what was really interesting too, was like the knock on Brandon Armstrong, or at least from my history with him was, okay, he's also injury prone because he plays so physical, but he's only missed like two games in the last two years. Yeah. He's a tough. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought, cause when, you know, when, when, uh, Ingle concussed him during the COVID year, <laughs> And then I think he like broke his ribs against BYU and like was out for the Notre Dame game. I was like, Oh, this guy, he's never going to make it. So I don't know, man. I just, this is the year like this is this. Everyone seems to be talking more positively about this defense than I expected. Like, is that what you were thinking going into this? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not super concerned about the defense that we've had a lot of guys play a lot of snaps last year. The ones that were hurt, Played a lot. Yeah. I mean, the the guys that were hurt, the guys behind them played a lot, right? And I think we have a lot of those guys. I, I do think Tanner Ingles going to be tough to replace from a run-stopping standpoint. I don't know who's going to replace him, but he was he was an elite run-stopper. I, I think he played downhill really well. I know people are uh, not going to miss his cover skills, but I think – in just put Peyton Wilson back there. Run, run defense. I thought he was fantastic. If he was six five, he would have been a you know early round NFL draft pick. He's just so tiny. Yeah, I mean he's still. In the, I mean he is in the league currently. Like, let's just note that. Right, oh, the Rams, he's, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so. Like, I mean, that's an, an indication, right? That guy for being the tight. Not even he's not even that tiny, but I mean he's five ten, probably like one eighty five or something like that. He's really not big, but he hit like he was 240 pounds and like the fact that he didn't ever really get injured from that is kind of amazing. Um, I think everybody else is going to be strong. You know, like cover three mentioned the, though he got Aiden White's name wrong. Aiden and shy battle are going to anchor that side, uh, anchor the outsides, which I think are, I mean, that that's tremendous. And on the defensive line, Davin Van, CJ Clark, you know they're going to be your your horses most likely, and both those guys are I think are fantastic football players. Now, whether they get other you know contributions from you know where else does that come from? I'm sure there's some guys that I'm forgetting, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Brandon Cleveland, you've got um, the guy from Ohio State. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about him. Via Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, Chevali Price, who showed some signs. Yeah, I want to say there was one other. Um, he was a JUCO guy that they brought in. But um, if you actually go back and like, if you go look at the roster, actually, the, I was actually surprised at the weights and sizes of a lot of the guys. The offensive line, for once, doesn't look like he's like we have someone that's super bloated that we're going to be worried about going into camp. The defensive line looked really trim. I mean, maybe that's because Josh Harris isn't here, but. Um, the uh, I'm still mad that he's not here. I love Josh Harris, and um, very curious to see how he holds up at Ole Miss. Um, yeah, I think, uh, but the, okay, here's the benefit, right? Three down linemen. You really only need five or six guys 
to make it through the year. And so if they can do that, they're good. And the guys behind them are younger. But, I mean, if C.J. Clark and Devin Vance stay healthy, we're, Noah Potter and the others can find something that works as a rotation there. Um, linebacker is more interesting to me without Drake and Isaiah Moore. I think um, that's Steve my had a good quote question. about Peyton Wilson that you put in the chat here. Peyton Wilson has grown up a lot. He's a much different version of himself. He's mature. His spiritual life is very strong. He has a super steady girlfriend he's in love with. He's a college graduate. He went from being petrified of public speaking to being a good public speaker. It's a kiss of death. That relationship's over. Thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, I, I, I know what he's trying to say, right? That Peyton has matured. And he might not be tackling police cars. I, I, I probably think that's where he was going with that. I thought after the first two years, he was not going to make it here. Um, I just, I feel like, yeah, there, there are just times like you would see him and like, they'd be like, Peyton, you got to come off the field. And he would like, just refuse. He just wouldn't yeah. go back out there and I'd be like, you're just putting everyone in an awkward spot, bro. Like, come out for a minute and get a breather. And then, you know, he would always get that late hit on the sidelines. Like, it was, oh, man. I'm curious to see the mature Peyton Wilson out there ripping everyone's head off, but being polite about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You were Do you mind if I sack you? Good day. Um, <laughs> Red Hibbler is the transfer, the Juco transfer. Yeah, that's what I thought. Also, um, the best transfer name is obviously, I think, Robert Poogie Kennedy. Um, yeah. I think he's a – maybe he's a corner. Um, no, he's a nickel. He's, he's safety. Nickel. Sorry, nickel. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was the thing is I completely forgot. Tyler Baker-Williams is not here this year. And that that's, I feel like no one's talking about. Yeah. That guy was everything. Uh, he yeah. started as a corner, played safety, he was a nickel. He was just so reliable, so dependable. Yeah, I think he's his his replacing him is gonna be tough. But they did bring in Poogie for some reason is the only one they have on the GoPack roster with his nickname, and it's in quotes. Robert well, we also Poogie. have Juice Farine on there. Is he on there? Juice, yeah, but that's his first I name know. on there. Um, yeah, I feel like it's just it's because it's the best nickname on the team. No one else can come close to Poogie. Poogie. I gotta know. Yeah. I, I want to click the bio and find out if there's a backstory there. Um, yeah, we don't have Demi anymore because I feel like Demi Sumo would always change his name halfway through fall camp. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just ready for it to start. I just it's that part of the year where I start getting excited and then start realizing like, oh, now I'm gonna be nervous for the month of fall of August while we go through camp and right. Yeah, you know, then we got to play a game against UConn, which is probably meaningless, but. I don't know. What do you? Oh, no, we can save that what? topic for another day. No, I was going to talk about redshirting MJ Morris. We can save that for another. Oh day. no, it's going to bring it up too. Uh, I think it's the I, stupidest thing. Who cares? Yeah, who exactly. cares? He might not be here long enough to redshirt him. I mean, what are the odds that a redshirt is any is of no concern of mine? Yeah, you know, because he's likely not going to be here that long. He either transfers, plays really well after a couple of years, and and bounces to the NFL, you just don't see guys sticking around long enough to use a red shirt. If anything, they transfer and use a red shirt. Yeah. I, 
it's such a weird thing to worry about. I know that we had that conversation in the pod chat because some other podcast podcasts were talking about it. I, I don't get it. I am not concerned at all. My whole what? thing is like, just play them. I, I yeah. always want to put the best people on the field that help me win. And if that means I play someone for five games, great. I don't care. And you know, what's going to happen is at some point he may get injured and then that red shirt is useful, but yeah. Instead of just wasting the red shirt, he played last year. Like, I don't see what the problem is with that. And, you know, at some point, like, I mean, I don't want to keep bringing up the IPS pod, but like the hypothetical of like, oh, like what if there's a uh, Armstrong's helmet gets knocked off and you got to send in uh, Morris in there to uh, take a snap. It's like, who cares? Like, yeah. If you're that worried about it, send someone else in. But like the staff's not stupid, but also, I don't know. I expect to be beating the pants off of a lot of teams and MJ Morris is going to get a lot of snaps this year. Like, I don't think you have to have Brendan Armstrong in for four quarters of a game. You know, you've got, you've got the opportunity. Yeah. I hope you don't. Especially against like the VMIs. Like I wouldn't even play him. Yeah. Get some of these younger guys, some snaps, man. Like get them in the game. We've been saying that for a long time. Your backups become important. You get them in the game, get them some experience. I don't, I don't care what game it is. Get them in, and don't worry about the red shirt. I think that worrying about red shirts is is a ridiculous thing these days. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I'd be more concerned over who the kicker is this year than than that. That's a, that's a valid one. I don't know. ACC Media Day preseason poll: Clemson number one, Florida State number two, North Carolina number three, NC State number four, Miami number five, Duke Pitt, Duke and Pitt tied at six. NC State did get one vote for the true fan. Who is it? Who is that's a speculation? Who is it? It's gotta be Henderson, right? I don't know, Joe Giglio. <sighs> no, does he still have a vote? And he's not part of the WRL anymore. I'd be I don't sure. know. Yeah, I don't. I would be surprised. It would have to be. I don't know. Yeah, I could see maybe right it's now. like Kenton Gibbs or someone like that. Someone from uh, that uh, SI outfit. I cannot remember what it's called. Packing the no, whatever Kenton's podcast is. Because they were asking questions at media day. I'm sure. Locked it's on. I'm on. sure it's one of the you know Pack Pride or someone like that. Like I don't know. I mean, I think it's fair to sit there and say like. Do I have to believe that Clemson is going to be amazing? Do I have to believe that FSU isn't going to be the FSU for the last 10 years? Like, just because they beat a bunch of bad teams at the end of last year? Like, they still lost all the good teams last year. And, yeah, they died. Everything in- sets up for us, man. It's it's wild how much it sets up. Like, the schedule for once sets up for us. Tough games are at home. The other games are on the road. And I, I, I don't remember – Bud Elliott said it on this podcast or this part of it, but it, it comes down to at Duke, at Wake, at Virginia Tech. Yeah, you go two and one of those games, and you've got a real good chance of winning nine or ten games this year. I and mean, I think that's a wild thought. Why not three now? I, I mean, minimum. I'm saying two and two and one, right? I think it's everything sets up for us, and I, I agree with you. I, like you don't know what you can get out of Clemson, what Clubnick's going to do, what the new offense is going to do. Are they as strong as they have been? I mean, we know Will Shipley's going to be good. Do they have dynamic wide receivers? I, I think they didn't really do anything in the portal, so th- there's some questions here. I think it's valid. And on the other side, you know, with Florida State, they did a ton in the portal, but are they going to hold it together? If they go out and lose to LSU early and 
you know, struggle? Are they going to be it? Are they going to be good? I, I don't know. I don't know if this team's got quit factor. They have LSU, Southern Miss, BC at Clemson. That's their first four. And you yeah. know, if they lose to LSU and lose to Clemson, two and two, two and two, that's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them to hang on. I think it's gonna be tough. And well, they dodge us this year, so lucky them. Yeah, yeah. I think the question I'd be asking is, how many ACC teams have two valid starting quarterbacks on their roster right now? Because State does. It's true. What happens if Clay Klubnik, Klubnik gets injured? We know what happens if Travis Homer gets gets injured. Like they, they're Jordan a completely Travis. different team. What was that? Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. Jesus, I got I'm completely off base. Um, same thing with UNC. Who's behind Drake May? Pitt. Who's behind Phil Dracovic? Louisville. I don't even know who they have. Wake. Who's behind Mitch Griffiths or whatever his name is? Right. Like yeah. That's the thing. That's the one advantage that state has. State has something has a ver- a verified backup, and that's I could see those front runners collapse if they built everything around those guys. That's where I think we have an advantage, for sure. James Henderson said it, it was not him, so it was probably somebody like that clown from Covers Wake Forest. What's that guy's name? Josh Graham. Oh, he wouldn't have the balls to do it. He's just trolling us, right? It'd be somebody. Well, I thought, well, I'm surprised they didn't vote for ECU. Weren't they the best team in North Carolina? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, did Wake any votes? Um, you know, I don't know. No. I like it. I like being the underdog. I like being in the top four. It's still it's it's. You know what it looks like. A good Evan? place to start. It looked hmm? like every other year with the coastal and Atlantic, right? Yeah. You know, a random coastal team up at the top, whoever's got a quarterback that year there, you're promoted. And yeah. then the three basic big dogs of the of the Atlantic up there every single year. Well, the hype for Carolina is going to be strong, be thick. South Carolina. Because they got an easy road until the end of the year. Do they? I think so. I don't think they have uh, anybody. I, I mean, I mean they have I, South Carolina, so that's, that's a tough one. I think South Carolina is going to wax them. South Carolina beat Clemson last year at Clemson. Can someone remind me what Clemson did to UNC in that that game where they UNC had all their players? Yeah. Oh yeah, they got their ass whipped. There's no way. I mean, have I ever seen South Carolina? The only time we saw South Carolina sleep on anyone was that UNC game with Drake May or not with Drake May with Sam Howell, where they were like, "Well, surely like they're not going to like throw the ball deep." Oh my God, they threw the ball deep, and that was the end of that. Maybe the schedule's not. I thought it was a different schedule. I, I, I'm not mistaken. They have South Carolina, App State, Minnesota, and Pitt are their first four at Pitt. Yeah. So they could be one and three. Oh, shit. They could be on four, knowing them. Row the boat. I hope PJ Fleck rows the boat all over that effing campus. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just don't know if I can trust <laughs> PJ Fleck anymore. But um, then Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke. At at Clemson at State, so yeah, tough finish for them. It's a, t- I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, it's a tough. I think it's a tough finish, but honestly, like you just don't know what's in the middle there, really, Agreed. you know. And um, did they, they like losing to Virginia and they like losing to Georgia Tech? So are they? Know. Is it at Virginia? No, Virginia home at Georgia Tech. Okay, well, typically they've lost at Virginia. That's been their problem. Um, yeah, I just. Uh, I don't know. I think the thing is, it's like, okay, people didn't know what Drake May was last year going in, really. 
And then I don't think, I think people slept on it a little bit. I think they got so much. It's same thing with like Sam Howe. He had a big regression year, year two. I, I know everyone wants to just say that, that Drake may is awesome, but like they've changed coordinators. I think he's going to be running a bit more. So he's going to be exposed to more hits, even though he ran a lot last year. And teams know who he is. By the end of the year, how did they do? They lost to Georgia Tech. They lost to NC State. They lost to Oregon. And they lost to Clemson. Yeah. Any The teams that were taking them seriously at the end beat them. And with a third and fourth string quarterback and a third, a third string quarterback in our case, and actually a fourth string quarterback in our case. And then, I mean, a, sec, a backup in Klubnik. And then I don't even know who Oregon tried it out there. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. All right, a couple of questions from the folks. Bring is it. the ceiling for this year's team higher with a competent offense, even if the defense just becomes competent rather than great? Higher, higher than what? I'm not sure. Than usual? So, like, yeah, I guess so. Is it a higher ceiling with a good offense? Okay. The defense is just average. The higher Let's ceiling would usual. mean do we get Probably. 10 wins with this yes. setup? I Probably. think offense is predictive of – Success. Yeah. So I yes. would say the floor is definitely higher. Again, I, I just feel like having two proven quarterbacks is very helpful. And yeah, that's a good point. Consistency, right? I mean, the defense, like whoever said it on the cover three is like, there have been so many injuries the last two years at that on defense. There have been so many guys getting in soaking reps and very few guys have left. Right. So if the defense is even kind of moderately close to where they were last year and the offense has is clearly going to be better, just given there's probably not going to be four quarterbacks playing. Um, Yeah, I, I think the okay. access to a higher ceiling is there. When the ACC dies, where is the best landing spot for NC State? And why are people who say SEC are idiots? <laughs> well, OK, if I if we had to leave, if we had to leave a conference or leave this conference and go to one. I'd rather go to the Big Ten because I think you can win there. I think um, you win more games there, yeah. I think there's a lot of – they all play the same kind of football up there, and it's just like you can just wow them with a forward pass. Dave um, Dorman would love to be in the Big Ten. He'd oh, yeah. All that Big I Ten bet, football. See, the thing is, like, I bet if we went to the, the SEC – let's say, like, after this year, Dave Dorman wants to stick around because he's won a national title. And – they say, hey, Dave, we're going to the SEC. I bet he retires. But if they went to the Big Ten, I bet he'd be like, I'm in for eight more years. Like, that's that's his his bread and butter. Um, I think the best thing that happened if Florida State and Clemson left is I, if I was the other teams in the ACC, I'd be like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit right here. Um, I'd rather just win this league than go cash checks over here. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, uh, do you really want to go to the SEC? Like, do you really see NC State? I mean, it would take, like, what do you think, like four or five years to even start not getting the snot beat out of us? Uh, it's interesting, right? I, I, I get it. I get the, the, the um, prestige side of it. I think the path is, is much harder. It's insane. And... But I also get the you know the SEC bump. You it, in theory you would get from recruiting and and whatnot. Again, the money doesn't matter as much, and we don't have the NIL funds to compete with SEC schools, which would be my bigger concern. Yeah, 
So like, unless the money somehow came from all that SEC money that we somehow funneled into players, then I think that would be a tough, that would be tough. Now it will be wild to have a schedule that did not include Georgia Tech, Virginia, BC, and we're instead getting Ole Miss, LSU, you know, Kentucky, other comparable programs, if not better programs. Like I just think that's, uh, it, it would be interesting. Yeah. But you can say the same thing for the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool playing Ohio State. We've already done that. We've lost to them. Um, We've already lost to Kentucky. We've lost to South Carolina multiple times. We lost to Mississippi State multiple times. I think the only team I can recall from the SEC we beat any time recently was Vanderbilt. Like, is am I painting a picture that tells me we're going to waltz in there and, and have success? No. If it was 10 years ago, maybe. Like, if we had gotten a Todd Gurley and – um Oh, who was that other Millbrook running back that went with him there? Um, Mitchell? Mitchell? Yeah, right? Keith Mitchell? Keith Mitchell? Yeah. Um, You know, you go back and look at, like, all those guys that we lost out to at Clemson or to a South Carolina or whomever. Like, maybe. I could see it long-term paying off. But, man, it would be brutal for the first few years. Like, we'd just be getting the snot kicked out of us. There's not enough transfers we could bring in to level up that quickly. But with Robert I do and I, get the knows. side of it from folks who also say, well, you haven't been winning in the ACC, so why not go to the SEC and not win there? I, I get that too. I I mean, I think your road's a little bit harder, but I do want, I would be obviously one of the two bigger conferences just because I think that the Big Ten, I think, is much more winnable. I think the SEC is more yeah. attractive just from a pure fan standpoint in the games. But, you know, I always go back to that Tennessee game in Atlanta where that was a bad Tennessee team and they just looked bigger, stronger, and faster yeah. than us. And, like, yeah, I don't want any of that. But I, I mean, know. just think I, of all those run-first Big Ten teams. What do we do? We tackle well in the run game. <laughs> like, I, I think I just we just want to go back to the scenario where we're cutting off Wake Forest. So I, I'm into I, that. That's what I would be sitting there in these meetings. <laughs> I'd be like, guys, you don't have to leave. Let's just all <laughs> – combine our payments and get rid of these two bottom feeders. And then, yeah, yeah, they'll go make a bunch of money, but we don't have to worry about them anymore. Yeah. I'd love to see Wake or the SEC and just get train slapped. I think if you reduced it by two teams, the payout goes up like five or $7 million or something like that. And then over time, like you just have to imagine that that would keep going up and up. This is a great question here. If the ACC goes kablooey, how do you spell kablooey, by the way? I, you know what's funny is I read that like five times before I realized he was saying kablooey. Yeah, me too. I thought he was trying to say, um, oh, I can't even remember. I, I was like, that's not the word. He's, I thought it was like a typo. Yeah, I read it as a cable way. I was like, what the hell? That's is what I said. I like, oh, kablooey. I got it. <laughs> if the ACC goes kablooey, rank the three schools you'd want to play on an annual basis and three schools you never want to see again. From the ACC, right? So I think just ever. Oh, well, let's go ACC. I think that makes more sense. Uh, I never want to play Wake again. Agreed. I never want to play BC again. Agreed. Um, I never want to play ECU again, but I don't think that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I. I'm struggling with that third team. I like kind of the rest of those teams. Um, maybe Syracuse. I'll, I would toss Syracuse in there. That's my three. I don't want to play Wake, BC, and Cuse. 
What about Clemson? You want to play Clemson? Yeah, I'm happy to play them. Like, I don't like playing them on an annual basis like we are now, like complete suckers. Um, but I like playing Clemson. I like playing Florida State. Um, I'm indifferent about Georgia Tech. I like playing Virginia Tech. I'm indifferent about UVA. Um, I like playing Louisville. I think we've had some good games with them. And then, uh, you know, Miami, uh, whatever. Pitt, eh, whatever. Like, they don't really get my dial up one way or the other. We've lost to, like, Miami way too many times. So maybe maybe you can throw them out, too. I'd play you. I'd still play UNC on an annual basis. I like that game. Yeah. I think it's a good game. I would chop Wake. I'd probably want to play Duke on an annual basis. It's, that's usually a good game, and it's winnable, and it's regional, you know, the rivalry. I think that's still important. They're in our rotation now, right? I have no idea. I, don't I think know. they and Clemson. Hold I on. would definitely chop Wake and probably BC and another. I'm not sure who my third team would be. I have to think about that. That's a really good question. It's just the right amount of teams to not want to face. Yeah. Just go back to chopping week. I'm all for it. Uh, what does Zave Dorn need to do to elevate recruiting? How how best class was his first class? His best first class, class was his first class. As yeah, it's just typo. Uh, what does he need to elevate recruiting? I think in this day and age, it is get some money. NIL money. Take Which, his fat paycheck and funnel it to me, and I'll funnel it to some <laughs> players. And I'll only take a small percentage. Wandering. Um, as you just described it, the uh, did you just see my dog? Oh, you didn't see it. My dog just no. blitzed in here. Um, yeah, I mean, they just raised a bunch of money at that. Uh, this raffle that's going on is probably going to get 50 grand, and they just got what was it like $500,000, $600,000 at that event they just put on? Um, so yeah, more money would just help. I mean, it's simple especially in the day and age. I think they do a really good job of evaluating players. Um, I think they just need money for wide receivers. If you want my honest opinion. I mean, isn't that the one, I, that's the one spot I can point to where it just says we have screwed the pooch here so many times. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. And yeah, that's the last question. I'm not answering this hoops question, sir. It is it's August. not hoop season. Why are you asking me hoops? We do have a new dedicated hoops guy, which I will reveal sometime in the future, but it is not going to happen right now. And I'll let him answer this question. I will save it. ACC State fan, I will just let you know that I will save it. It will be answered, but not tonight because it is August and it is football season and I am ready to watch the games and Will might actually watch some games this year. I think everything's it's exciting. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. I mean, it's gonna be tough deciding between watching Formula One qualifying or NC State. Like, I'm just gonna have to hope the timing works out on those Saturdays. But I'll, I'll try to make do. <laughs> Nonsense. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, man. This was good. I thought we weren't gonna have anything to talk about, and then Florida State really just elevated <laughs> everything yeah, for be, me. It'll be fun to watch the ACC explode. I'm, I'm yeah. For it. Let's go. This this no. this will be a great tale of time if uh, a week from now we've had three emergency podcasts. Yeah, tomorrow, right? I mean, tomorrow's the board of trustees meeting. It should be something of interest to everybody else. I don't know. I think and we'll see what rattling. happens with the Pac-12. I think that's interesting. If I'm uh, Jim Phillips, I'm still reaching out to 
Pac-12 would say, come on, come on, we'll make a new Conference USA. Yeah, I could. I think I could fix the ACC in one fell swoop if they would let me, and this would all go away. But chopping Wake Forest, let's go. I mean, first thing, <laughs> all right, Demon Deacons, little old Wake Forest, go to the Big Ten, go to the Big Twelve, get out of here. Uh, all right, I lied. Last question: If the ACC becomes a when the ACC when the ACC becomes a G five league, who do we blame? Who do we blame? I mean, it's Swafford in the end, but. There's a lot of MFers that I can blame right now. I mean, okay, let's let's think Swafford about this. with the TV deal, obviously. Let's just think about this real quick. If the TV deal had gone to 2026 instead of 2036, don't you think Clemson and Florida State would be gone right now? Do you think they'd be sticking around? I don't around? think so. I think we would have – well, it's it's true. That's interesting. We would have. Re- I think we would have renegotiated, but again – who would do that because Swaffer was here until recently. And again, Jim Phillips has got a bit of a book organ in him and we don't know what's happening. So, yeah, well, he's got a lot in him right now, according to the reports, but the, yeah. I mean, if you look at Swafford, the TV deal, Swafford, the decision to add BC Q's in that particular is the bigger decision going back all the way, then expanding that way. Yeah. I think that is Pitt Louisville makes sense. It's just a couple of decision points. And if we could have just sat there and said, do we really need Wake Forest? Do we really need more private schools, small private schools? No. I mean, there's a, probably a future where the reality is the ACC says, why Why do we have Wake and Duke? We don't need four teams in this, in this state. Right? Why yeah. do we need two small private schools? Yes, I know Duke has this incredible basketball brand, but that doesn't really pay the bills. And... We'll see if they remain that good. I mean, the ACC basketball is questionable at this time, but that still only brings in so much money. So if you look at it just from like an ice cold perspective and say, I mean, what if we got rid of Wake and Duke and and then just add it in, pick them? I would send them to the Big 12. They want to be basketball conference anyway. Well, that's the thing is if everyone can just hold their horses to like 2030, you can go pick up a Texas school and pick whoever you want at that point. West Virginia a random Oklahoma state. I don't care. Just go raid the big 12 because frankly, I don't think the big 12 is going to be around that long either. They are set up for basketball and they're going to have a minor contract. And I can't imagine in 10 years or sorry, 10 years, sorry, seven years, eight years when their contract term ends up that they're going to be perceived as valuable. I mean, it's interesting. I think they struck first versus the yeah. Pac-12, and that's the only reason. If, if the Pac-12 had gotten its shit together and had gotten their deal signed, I think the Big 12 is like falling apart at this time. Yeah, but they the just Pac-12 they dicked was, around. Was ho- holding out hope that the Big Ten's almost like real estate, right? The Big Ten got a big deal, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna drive up the prices now." And they're like, "Well, we already got a deal. We already got a." conference we don't need your jump ass so they're not gonna <laughs> not gonna bring them on so it's a bunch of people to blame right we go back to whoever was driving the expansion stuff with bc and syracuse and all those teams and then the tv deal which it's interesting and i'm glad i didn't podcast when that happened because everybody was raving about how it's such a great deal it's and I probably would have said the same thing without thinking 
about the future and, and how it's going to change, how landscape's going to change and, and whatnot. Yeah. So we got the TV deal there. I think it's probably, um, it's probably good and bad parts to it. It's basically held us together so far. And then what was my other, I had a third one. I was going to blame somebody else. Oh, the presidents and everybody else for not pushing for a larger playoff faster. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I still don't understand how anyone, First off, I don't understand how we got stuck in this bowl system anyways, where you're yeah, just yeah. handing out money and TV, right? And then why on earth would you be like, hey, maybe we should do four? What? We should have done eight. Yeah. Like, what were they thinking? Yeah. Of and course that, it's going to be a cash cow. Yeah. Oh, the worst just, part about it to me, about all this, is destroying the regional rivalries, which is what makes yeah. college football. And it absolutely pains me to see that, you know, there's – uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC be playing th- those games and just, just the way that it's devolving. I think it's awful, man. It just, I, I mean, here's the thing. If I was Florida state, I would just sit there and watch. I guarantee you in a couple of years, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be getting their teeth kicked in, in the SEC. Yeah. And they're going to be yeah. going, well, we're getting more money, but it's like, who cares? Don't you want to win? Like, and that's the thing is who's making these decisions. Like, I don't understand, fan- whatever. We're going to, like, do a whole podcast right now if we do that. Yeah, yeah, talking. so let's, let's get back There's a lot of people to blame is the answer to that question. There's a lot of them. And I think incompetent leadership at all levels for such a long time, I think, is uh, my conclusion there. Yeah, I think that's the best. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the site. Really, if you're an avid listener, jump in the pod chat. There is a lot of conversation going on. There's some good stuff. and There was a good conversation the other day that I forgot to – I wanted to bring up, but I'll save it for another time about if NC State were the only school in North Carolina, what, what would that look like? I think that's an interesting yeah, that's uh, thought one. exercise. Yeah. But there's been a lot of a lot of conversation as, as the season gets closer, a lot of things to talk about. And, yeah, good conversation. So jump in there. And uh, thanks for supporting the pod. Thanks for listening. And go pack. Go pack.